0: Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead. I'm Len. I'm your host for this week, and I am joined with our very good friend, John Boulding. Howdy, y'all. And once again, we have uh, UNC Chapel Hill's Dr. Brett Devereaux. Hey, guys. And we're here this week to talk about Farthest Frontier, which is a new uh, sort of survival city builder, colony builder uh, with sort of a vaguely Middle Ages theme. The uh, from Crate Entertainment, who actually were previously known for Grim Dawn, which was an ARPG, not related at all. But um, this kind of uh, launched into early access and made a lot, uh, quite a wave in the like city builder enthusiast community. I suppose uh, it's got very positive reviews on Street on Steam and has been uh, just generating a lot of excitement from that. Um, Brett, what have you thought of Farthest Frontier so far? Uh, I'm enjoying it
1: um, more than I thought I would. I mean, so it's 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 early access, so all the necessary caveats about it being mm-hmm. rough around the edges, some performance issues, not. It's perfectly playable. It's very stable, actually, for me. I was surprised by that. Um, I think it's really interesting uh, in that There is a real effort in the design to incorporate a lot of different concerns in terms of seasonality, diet variety, security concerns that really did shape the way that pre-modern settlements were formed that are often missing in this genre or not really well implemented. And so I thought that that was actually um, a sort of really interesting element of the design, the, the complexity there with, and I'm sure we'll come back to some of these, but just to check them off, you have to think about fending off raids. You have to think about uh, different kinds of crops, uh, different kinds of soil. You have to do crop rotation. And, and you also have to handle the over-exploitation of your natural environment in a way that is often not really a factor in these games. So I thought that all of that came together to really give it some unique personality. Uh, I was enjoying it.
0: And John, I know uh, you already posted to Twitter the conversation we had about how this is definitely a John game. Uh, what is it that really grabbed you about Furthest Frontier?
2: The thing that grabbed me is one of those really mundane things that I tend to seize on and then love, which is uh, clearing brush is a nightmare in this game. The, the The amount of human work hours required to clear a field for agriculture by hand is shocking. In, it in takes real life. like a
0: year yeah. and
2: also in furthest frontier where <laughs> if you don't immediately start clearing land for agriculture and or task a large amount of your population to subsistence uh, foraging and hunting you will starve and it will be funny to me because you'll be <laughs> like why are they farming yet and i'll be like it's because they have to spend eight months removing the trees and brush from this area that you like these four square acres you want to be farming in. That's why uh, it's wonderful. Like, I was was delighted to see them miserably hoeing away at, like, what appeared to be a clear field, but definitely from experience, I know, like, once you get the bushes out of the way, you're going to still have to break up all the soil, and that's going to take all of the rest of your life
0: yeah yeah um,
1: I and then, spent... and then you've got to, you've got to plow under the grass and then you have to clear the
2: rocks
0: right, right, yeah, That's absolutely, like, and like I spent some time on a farm um in Norway kind of when I was between jobs for a little while, and that was one of the things we were doing. is just going out there with a tractor and getting all the rocks out of the fields <laughs> because you can't plow it really, until you know, these huge, like boulders from the freaking glaciation that shaped norway into the rocky you know mountainous nightmare for farmers that it it kind of is <laughs> um right yeah it's the what i highlighted in my early access review that i think is why i i enjoyed this so much more than like a lot of people are comparing it to banished and i don't know if i should even get off on this whole side thing of how I kind of think Banished is barely a game. Um, a lot
2: of people <laughs> compare games like this to Banished because Banished is the only game like this they've ever played. And that's yeah. it's a common yeah. syndrome, I guess. It's people compare 4Xs to Civ because Civ is the only 4X they've
0: played. Right, yeah. Um,
1: Fight Master it, of it, Orion it, Erasure. <laughs> its
0: it, it systems are set up in such a way that for you to be successful... You have to create a settlement that is fairly realistic um, in terms of, you know, how it's set up and how labor is divided and, and all these things. Whereas I think because of the things other city builders tend to focus on, they tend to produce these optimal settlements that don't really look realistic or where you have to, like, do some things that are kind of weird and wacky because that's just how you make number go up. Whereas in Farthest Frontier, I think, yeah, to to survive, you basically have to build a a medieval agricultural settlement that is laid out and operates fairly similar to how an actual medieval agricultural settlement would be laid out and would operate. Um, And I really like that. I really like that the only way to scale this is to put yourself in the mindset of maybe somebody who who lived at the time and uh and that it just it produces these very authentic looking cities right um, and i i, yeah, I really like I that
2: love. it it doesn't dig too far into the, the physical reality of it other than trying to make it feel good like it doesn't mm-hmm. force a realistic ratio I, i've played builders like this where they force a realistic ratio of of livable land to cropland and cropland workers and oh yeah Yeah. it's not actually that fun to lay out your city in the end whereas in this they they've done a pretty good job of not requiring you to have like an unspeakable amount of land under cultivation
1: yeah i was i was gonna say because they do you know compared to an actual village or small town you would have like an order of magnitude larger farms but But they, I think, strike a good balance of you are struggling to subsist. even You are eyeing that how many months of food counter, even into a relatively mature settlement. You never hit, oh, I just have infinite food and I never need to worry about it. Um, You're eyeing that counter, even as they've sort of, for manageability, brought specifically the area of cultivation down. Though the largest chunk of your settlement is still always gonna be farmers. It's not like 90%, which is what it should be, but it's still gonna be be mostly farmers. I think it strikes a good balance there.
2: Which is nice. I uh, I think it's really satisfying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's 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 really the spoilage uh, that I think well spoilage and crop rotation are sort of the two things I Ooh. would highlight as like the biggest getting,
2: I'm getting sweaty. You're talking about all my <laughs> saying all my favorite words.
0: The biggest like um uh, contribute like contributors to the realism that I don't see in other city builders that often, because, yeah, if you're just like hunting and fishing and like, you know, picking you know wild plants to eat, you're pretty much always going to be right on that raz- razor's edge. Like, you know, you will you will barely survive the winter with like one food in the bank, if that. Um, Even if you get, like, smoke houses, which can, like, let your meat keep a little bit longer, you never really get to a point where you don't have almost everybody responsible for producing food and, like, no labor force to do anything else.
2: And there's Um, some really good emergent gameplay out of the way that the, the food mechanics and spoilage is set up, where you have these cool... Situations where, at the end of winter, your people truly are eating the dregs of last year's food, and they can Mm -hmm. get a little miserable because the only things available to them are, like, maybe some of the earliest greens out of some small fields, but then they're eating all the beans that got dried last year. That's what they're stuck eating at this point. And maybe by the time you have an advanced settlement, they've got some pickles left over or some root vegetables.
1: Yeah, and the the system guides you towards sort of the standard broader mediterranean survival strategy it guides you towards wheat um that if you're going to if you want to build a a town that has people doing things other than farming right grains have to be the backbone of your food supply mm-hmm. they require more infrastructure but they're keepable and the throughput is there um to set that up and so you essentially drift towards exactly what you would expect for this sort of, I think we're supposed to understand, northern stroke, western European environment, where you're going to have grains are going to be the core of your food supply. Everything else is supplemental to that sort of nutritionally, because if you give them only bread, you do run into problems. The game gets mad at you if there's no Peter Fruits. Um, <laughs> yeah. But those are just supplements to keep everybody healthy. And then your in addition to watching your food stocks go up and down, you're watching your grain and flour stocks go up and down because they're being processed through. Uh, and ideally, you have enough grain at each harvest that by the time the next harvest is coming in, your your mills and bakeries are just finishing moving through the last one. Uh, and so that you're always in grains and then everything else is supplemental, which is Yeah, that's that's how it that's how it works. Uh, That is that is why we talk about one's daily bread, um, because this was the the emphasis on bread was because societies oriented themselves towards like this is the cheapest mass producible food we can get in an environment where that is scarce. So we're just gonna ninety percent of your calories are gonna be bread, and then we'll make up whatever nutrition you need with whatever else is available. Or if you're poor, maybe we won't.
2: Yeah, just. The uh the idea that you you quickly realize your citizens' diet is based around like a two-pound loaf of bread every day is great. Like it, it is exactly true and feels really satisfyingly uh laid out. If anything, I think the the only unrealistic thing is I don't think my citizens are consuming enough beer. Like they should definitely be consuming more <laughs> yeah, beer.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: But you could you could sort of put up with that by just imagining, oh, OK, well, they're, you know, they're they're brewing at home and then they're also going to a tavern sometimes for this nicer beer that that this guy's making at his proper size brewery.
0: I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't like a mechanic for like uh for like farm beer or like cottage beer. You have to have breweries, whereas. You know,
2: yeah, Ostriv. Ostriv are- had that where each person's house, if if it had an attached garden would produce little bits and things you know they would produce radishes and and greens and tomatoes or what have you
0: yeah yeah that would be cool to see uh, at least maybe, is, maybe that could be a trade off too of like once you get more urbanized that becomes less practical yeah. so you have to you know move
2: this game is very um, focused on a a tight urban town center right like a mid-sized right. yeah. i think what would technically be a mid-sized city
0: like I, I have my first couple tries. I tried to sort of lay out this sort of sparse, rural village-looking thing, and that really comes back to bite you later. <laughs> um, you you kind of need this like tight urban core because what it eventually does is you start unlocking services like you know an alehouse or a theater. You can even get eventually. Um, that increase the standard of living, which kind of like levels up all the houses around it. But I had just built this like hodgepodge, like I've got houses over here. Oh, they're not going to want to live right next to their neighbor. So I'm going to give them a little space, but it's not enough space for another house. Like th- they clearly want you to have sort of a dense urban core and you might have to restart a couple times.
2: Yeah, uh, a, a spread out <laughs> suburb of max maximum level, highly upgraded homes would require a ton of money, right? Excess money to build a lot of gardens and decorations to keep those people happy and improve the quality of their home. Whereas, you know, a bunch of homes centered around one single park, everyone can get the benefit of the park.
1: But that actually, that also makes a lot of sense. I mean, we think of villages as very sprawling, but if you look at medieval villages, they're often actually pretty tightly nucleated that all of the, the, the buildings of the village are all clustered in the center and the fields radiate out from them because the fields are held communally by the village and divided into strips, essentially, and each like each farmer is like, you get these four strips that are definitely not next to each other. Um, you know, like, this is the way that, that farming land was. so So in a way, pushing you towards nucleation around key services and also for defense uh that that checks out i'm like yeah that is how that is how these villages tended to work in this period that they didn't tend to spread out because each farmer wasn't on his own farm the fields were communally served um you know the one thing that's missing but is sort of neatly explained by the game's conceit is that there should be a manor on the hill and there isn't because um you know you're you're trying to escape the people that live in manors on hills
0: yeah, it is kind of the strange premise that you're, I guess you start with like 16 malcontents, more or less, who have just like struck out on their own to start a new settlement somewhere in the European countryside.
2: In, it's, it's got a fantasy element to it. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. I
0: guess. Where what would you say, Brad, you know, as a historian, like it seems like maybe 1100s, 1200s Yeah, is roughly the tech level. I don't know.
1: I mean, we've got a straight-up windmill, so we're we're towards the end of the High Middle Ages, into the late Middle Ages.
0: Okay.
2: Uh,
1: so, so yeah, we're we're fairly late. Um,
2: I saw I saw posters, fans of the company saying that there were hints, uh, little crossover hints that, like, yeah, maybe this is somehow associated with the world of their action RPG, which is pretty firmly a yeah. fantasy game. okay. And, you know, there are dire wolves running around, so actually I'm pretty sure we're in about 15,000 BC.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, I thought the other thing, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, that sort of developers hinted at in terms of development is that we may also, like, the political authorities that we have escaped from may show up again. If that's in now, I haven't gotten to it.
0: They eventually can. Um, You're paying taxes, like, out of your gold supply every year. And at the beginning, it doesn't really matter that much. But like, de- depending on what difficulty settings you're on, if you can't pay your taxes for a long time, like some some nobles will kind of show up to like rough you up. Um, Checks out. But then, yeah, then they just kind of like leave. So I mean, it's funny because the it's very similar to the bandit raids, which if you think about it, you know, what is a feudal lord, if not just kind of like a, a, an organized bandit? Your gang your personal got, bandit got the stamp of approval from the church or something. Um, yeah. So. The,
1: no, it's funny the the, the term for this in state formation scholarship is the quote unquote stationary bandit. Um, that that yeah. is, that mm-hmm. is the concept of the state is forming from the, the bandit that decides rather than moving around to just, I will just exploit these communities on the regular. And that, that guy becomes the state. So. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, makes sense. Uh, and that's very much I think how how it plays out in in Farthest Frontier as well. Um, so the, yeah, there is like the implication that there is some sort of feudal authority that is off map that you're sort of answerable to. Um, it's something that maybe I I would I would hope that maybe they would develop it more and elaborate more on in early access. Um. Yeah, we haven't talked quite as much about sort of the crop rotation mechanic, uh, which is another thing I really like about this game, because uh, as you mentioned, Brad, eventually like grain becomes your staple and everything else is supplementary. But then the other thing that they have paid attention to and have made part of the the core systems is that like wheat and rye uh, just like suck the fertility out of the soil like like there's no tomorrow uh which there might not be for you if you right. only plant cereal grains to where you actually like it actually talks about nitrogen fixing plants right. in the tooltip <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's something that necessarily medieval people would have known that that's why you know that I don't know if they knew enough about nitrogen but I guess they did know that you had to plant other stuff or else all the 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 good farmland would just blow away um yeah, it's very interesting. It, I really like that Uh, it, it demonstrates agricultural technology and how important agricultural technology is, which I could spin off into a whole discussion about how, oh, man, it would be really nice to have the North American three field system available to me, uh, which is, you know, one of the things that, you know, we we sort of.
2: Sorry, look. The part of the world this is based on spent all their time figuring out how to make metal things to kill other people with, not
0: exactly, uh, yeah. <laughs> breed,
2: ultra ultra specific, uh customizable uh, and amazing super crops.
0: Right, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of showing how a linear tech tree is kind of silly because we might have iron weapons, but we also didn't have North American agriculture, which would save you a lot of <laughs> pain and heartache, uh, if you did have access to it. Uh but you,
1: but you can but you can see how mm. right when you're looking at your field rotation it's dependent on the crops you have and they've actually been pretty good at this that you're broadly stuck with old world crops and so yeah, your your legume great. choices are basically some beans or some other beans and so um so you end up with a medieval three field right where one field is is fallow um, and they give you, what is it, clover as your ground cover for when you fallow so that it doesn't just end up as weeds. Um, and then one field is beans, and then one field is wheat. And that's the that's the rotation that is quite efficient in the game, and like, da da that's the medieval three-field rotation. You've done it. Hooray. Um, the um, uh, legumes and beans, uh, obviously, in the ancient world, the Middle Ages, they, they didn't understand What nitrogen fixation was but um they do understand that some crops deplete the soil and some crops replenish the soil um and we we do see um in the ancient world you do get uh three field rotations as well there's this sort of pervasive myth of two field in the ancient world three field in the medieval world and then four field modern um which is which is actually is is there's a lot more complexity there. There are definitely Roman three-field rotations.
2: Yeah, um, and like uh, they may not have known what nitrogen is, but they're perfectly capable of telling that, oh, you know, if, if we grow these kinds of crops in this soil for too long, the leaves start to yellow the next year, they grow slower, they get smaller. Right. Whereas if we alternate with beans or what have you, the the soil gets richer over time. Um,
1: or if, if you have really high-value soil and you can do this in-game, um, you can skip that by just extensive manuring, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you can you can do that. Like if you wanted to, like I'm just going to keep this one field now because of the way fertility works in the game, there really isn't a reason why you would do this, because because you can manipulate field fertility very freely. But in the real world, you would end up in a situation where like you know some farmland, no matter what you do to it, is just going to be better. And so if you have some really good farmland, like, for instance, it's next to the urban core, uh, so you don't have to take things very far, you might crop that in wheat every year by manuring it every year uh, in order to keep it continually under, and you wouldn't rotate. And that is something you can do in the game. You're not as incentivized to do it, but you can do it.
2: Yeah, you absolutely yeah. can. And. Um- depending on the map you're playing on, they have a variety of sort of biomes, right? And so there's there's an element of soil quality and figuring out where the best soil is on your map, but you can also manipulate soil over time. Mm-hmm. So if you want a, an area to be better for certain crops, you can do something like add add sand and add clay to the soil to vary the quality of it and the texture of it. So that, for example, root vegetables can grow somewhere better, which I think is one of the really... For me, as a person who likes to grow plants, satisfying parts of this game <laughs> where you can look at it and you can be like, well, you know, when you're playing a game like Banished, for some reason, wheat and potatoes grow perfectly well in the same soil, which just right. isn't true.
1: No, that's not. That's not how that works.
0: Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed. And maybe this is something that throughout early access that will change that, like you said, you can take the absolute most garbage patch of soil on the map, on any map, and you can level it off and you can clear all the brush and you can just keep like dumping manure and like planting, like alternating beans and clover. And, you know, you can add clay, you can add sand and eventually you can turn any patch of land into the most fertile possible patch of land uh, that, that it is possible to achieve which did feel a little bit unrealistic. I mean, it takes a lot of labor to get to that point.
2: No, over the course um, of a few decades, I think in all the sort of places that this this game can be set, that's pretty much true, right? Is it the, okay. the most?
1: So the missing the missing ingredient is water,
2: right? Absolutely,
1: and that's there's
2: there's no concern for weather or rainfall in this agricultural system,
1: right? But yeah, so like you there's can... an
2: arid highlands map where it's really hard to make the soil rich and beautiful, but you could do it eventually.
0: You you can have droughts, but yeah, I don't think it takes like groundwater level, how that affects fertility. No, the,
2: uh, the only thing droughts yeah. affect is how much water comes out of your wells.
0: Yeah. So um, yeah, it can kill crops too, but yeah, it kills crops for one year.
1: Yeah, because I mean, this is this is one of the differences. You know, this this game is set with a, a sort of Western European stroke, broader Mediterranean uh, crop setup, um, and and one of the things that's somewhat different about that setup is that you're you're either doing um, you're not flooding your fields. You're either doing rainfall agriculture or light irrigation agriculture. And so, what you don't necessarily get is um, the absolute game breaking hilarity of Of rice, the fancy term here is podsdalization, whereby uh, the more rice you plant on a field, the better the field gets for rice and the less suitable it gets for everything else, um, just forever into eternity until you eventually get (laughs) land that is just um, the rice has sort of reshaped it because it creates this dense layer that, in particular, traps nutrients and traps the water because you flood rice under cultivation. Um, for parts of the and this makes rice cultivation like really wacky and different it also means that so long as there's enough water you can plant rice anywhere it will eventually turn the soil into what it needs um but um but yeah water availability should probably be a bigger concern because that would provide a sort of a cap on this field is in a garbage location you've planted a lot of clover on it so you've got a lot of nitrogen in the soil but if it doesn't get that much water, or crops that need a lot of of moisture in the soil, which would be wheat, um, but also like leeks and um, and definitely flax, my goodness, uh, you know they're still not going to grow. you're going be you're going to be sticking rye on that soil forever.
2: Yeah, and it would also do a, a very cool thing to the game, which is encourage more uh, pastoral use more animals, yeah. which is a uh, pretty buggy. Not ideal right now. Uh, It's sort of a sideshow you can have fun with when you do as you're doing better at the game. But it's got some weird stuff. Yeah, going on. I
0: haven't I haven't actually done a lot of like animal husbandry. I know like you you actually have can have like a soil collector who basically goes around and just collects people's poop from their houses. Yeah, and you need you're to, like, right? And you need to. And that also turns into a source of manure. But if you buy cows, which. Also historically accurate, cows are very expensive, so I haven't even tried to get into uh, like having cattle. Um, Do they also produce manure over time as well? They
2: don't produce manure. It's it's a fairly rudimentary system compared to the rest of the game because of early access, but they they can be set on grazing land, and they do increase the quality of the land that they're grazing on each year.
0: Okay, interesting. I see. Yeah. I have to admit I
1: for our sort of medieval village, I did find it kind of odd that the the livestock animal is cows. Um, you know, uh ca- cows cattle is is really a rich person's livestock animal. Um this should be sheep and goats. It should really be sheep. Yeah. Um which, you know, would be a lot cheaper to start up. You're a lot more likely in your medieval village to see people tending sheep. I mean, one obviously they generate wool, which is fantastic. The fact that i mean i was playing on the alpine map and like all mm-hmm. of my
0: cloth is linen it's rough it's rough <laughs> that alpine map i gave up eventually <laughs> um yeah I, uh, but like i'm like flax would not grow
1: here um flax yeah. needs like warm river valleys this is not gonna this is not gonna right. work out um you know you'd be wearing wool so uh maybe maybe hopefully they add they add sheep. it i mean there's a reason that like linen gets produced in the mediterranean littoral and then shipped into europe um you know the the more common cloth in europe right is is wool
2: mm-hmm. um right and i wanted pigs too i i sort of yeah. wanted sheep goat and yeah. pigs instead of cattle though i understand their desire to go with cattle um because it's so recognizable to people like yeah.
0: well there's it would i mean it was one of the most common like items of portable wealth in northern europe yeah. for a long and, time like, uh, yeah. there's a reason the the norse rune for wealth is also the rune for cattle because they were just like used interchangeably so.
2: I, I think it would be nice and i think cattle makes more sense if as i suspect they probably want to do they they're going to introduce some sort of system for plowing fields in which case it makes yeah. a lot of sense to have cattle to double right. as as oxen opens. right
1: for your for your plow teams um yeah and that would make that would make a lot of sense. Uh I still hope that they add sheep. Um
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And pigs I mean pigs would be interesting because of the way that I mean I don't know that they get into this complexity but like pig farming in the ancient and medieval world is really interesting because you can sort of slot it in wherever it will go. Um so right. you can you can keep pigs close to town and just feed them on local produce and they take up almost no space and that's fantastic. Or in the countryside what you can do is you can when you're into field, the woods yeah run them into the woods or in between harvests send them into your fields to just eat whatever's left um, yeah there's just a nibble down the
2: there's a wonderful scene in the BBC's historical farm series I think it may be in the very first one where they uh they need to clear out a field so one of the first things they do is they just stable the pigs there for a season um and the pigs just dig everything up and eat everything they can find because they're just little chaos monsters.
1: Yeah, no, I mean just The one yeah. thing the one critique I have for their for their um for their farming system, I suppose, is that and 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 this is I assume a a um a concession to the players, but they give you a lot more flexibility in planting times and harvest times than you should have. Um, now plants have a, they have a frost tolerance and a heat tolerance. And if you ignore those, you will be sad. But, you know, in practice, like actual crops, they need to be in the ground in a specific month because, you know, they have their own circadian rhythm of, yeah. of the conditions they, they expect. So you don't have a lot of, I mean, when we talk about, uh, you'll sometimes hear the phrase winter wheat versus spring wheat. Um, and this has to do with when it's planted, those are different subspecies of wheat. Right, They're not the same seeds planted at different times. And so, you know, your your harvest and planting timings would, would be a lot tighter than the game suggests. Uh, it's also weird that you seem to, your wheat does seem to be spring wheat, which it should be winter wheat.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that maybe, it's definitely a concession, I agree. Uh, but I did like the idea that, you could get winter wheat in this game. I I like the idea of them letting you have something that's that plants in the fall and then goes dormant over the winter and grows again so that it can be harvested in May or so. Um, That, that kind of a change to the game would be awesome. Yeah.
1: The other thing, but the
2: thing is I think historically that's, it's really highly regionalized though, because over time these specific subspecies get developed in these areas to grow best in that exact climate. Uh, and I'm not sure how you could simulate that in a game without really diving deep into giant tables of wheat genetic optimization of like, oh, well, this this one grows best in these months, right? <laughs> right? And so like we can slot it in.
1: Yeah, I. so there is a lot of regionalization. I know in the ancient world, this is true. And my understanding is it is generally true that in most places when it comes to wheat, the winter wheat is the main crop. And the spring wheat is the panic. Oh my god, the wheat crop failed. Crop um, <laughs> that you you can sow spring wheat if the winter wheat crop has failed um, in a sort of desperate effort to make up the difference. But then there are also you're going to have microclimates around your village where you know the timings and water and so on aren't going to work for the winter wheat. You might sow spring wheat there too. Um, but that but the you know winter wheat is the is the is the larger of the of the two. The other thing that the timing flexibility um, that they give you lets you do is some cheeky sort of double cropping where you're like, I'm gonna do beans and then flax in the same year. And for the most yeah. part, no, you you can't do that. Your field has one crop a year because you're you're gonna end up in a situation where you need to be planting the one, while you need to be harvesting the other. So you're not generally able to get cheeky like that and get two crops in. I'm sure there are exceptions, but generally you're not.
0: Well, when we mentioned crop failure, we also talked about droughts a little bit earlier. Is uh, there there isn't really a situation, and I can see for gameplay reasons because this probably wouldn't be very fun, but there isn't like a a mechanic for like a total crop failure of of a specific field it's like if there's a drought it'll reduce the yield for that year if there's like a, a late frost and you don't have frost resistant crops it will reduce the yield mm-hmm. um, there's i like had s- a couple
2: full-on crop failures oh, not like oh, literal really? video game land crop failures where all the wheat in the field just vanishes but i had a 90 percent wheat crop failure once
0: oh wow okay well i guess i i I'm lucky that I never saw that happen. Um, I think it was
2: very much the outlier, which yeah. I, I think I, I played my village for 50 or 60 years, I think. I got really into it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, in-game years. And uh, I I saw a lot of different things, but I only saw that dramatic a crop failure once.
0: Well, the other thing that I noticed uh, that they added that wasn't in the preview I, I played, but that I was like, oh it'd be great if I could make my villagers suffer even more, is that they do now have crop diseases. Yep. Which which means you don't only want to rotate your fields, you have to make sure that they're not all on the same rotation.
2: Or too the close same to mirror. each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because like wheat diseases will spread to wheat, and bean diseases will spread to beans. And beautifully, so...
2: they get it right in that <laughs> diseases will persist multi-year. They get in yep. the soil yeah. and stick around, which is yep. great. Yeah. I mean, um, not great for the little villagers who are starving, but great for me emotionally.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And you can see that, once again, they're kind of using those timers to nudge you towards, again, medieval three-field rotation. Because that two years of not the crop is usually long enough for the disease to to mostly be spent and for it to be safe to replant beans or whatever it is that got blighted two years ago. And so, you know, again, this was a this was a reason um and the other reason you probably are you don't necessarily have to do this, but you're probably separating your fields at least somewhat is that you need field dividers between your fields and the world because otherwise animals will come in and eat all your crops.
2: Yeah. That is uh-huh. that is a thing you have to do in this game which I really like. Though I dis, I dislike that you can't uh they grow like a hedge will grow between fields, but it doesn't serve a gameplay purpose. Right, which is which is bullshit because hedges are a lot of work to actually get and maintain functionally, <laughs> like a yep. like a lot of work. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. I found especially if there if there's like a deer resource icon nearby on the map,
2: they'll oh, yeah. just come in and eat anything, and oh, they'll yeah. even
0: move. They will move towards your fields and start eating your fields if there's deer anywhere nearby they absolutely will um, and it's awesome which was I just love which it. was annoying because I, I had to like demolish a bunch of houses because i hadn't left room for a fence <laughs> so i was like all right you guys gotta move because i guess we can't sneak a fence in here that's one of those little video gamey things where oh we probably could have made it work without moving the whole house but um yeah.
2: Well, yeah, and it's Um, very video gaming to believe that uh, a fence will stop deer from getting to your crops. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In the real world, the thing that stops those deer from getting to your crops is a guy who sits out there all night with the dogs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, now they need to add, like, kennels. Man, this could, we could go so much
2: deeper on this. Um, I think,
1: I I think you could build, you could build a castle wall and the deer would still get in.
2: (laughs) The lesson here is that deer are assholes.
1: They're oh, just no.
0: doing like the, the Skyrim horse thing where they just go straight up a 90 degree wall to get to your crops. Yeah. I, they can I, and they I'm will. pretty
1: I'm pretty sure if you planted a garden on one side of the Western Front in 1916, <laughs> deer would get from the other side of the Western Front and eat your carrots.
0: It's, it's called no man's land, but the deer can cross it just fine. They oh, yeah. No. Doing. Yeah um zigzagging
1: between (laughs) shell holes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they uh they they learned how to do that that yeah move and fire before we ever did (laughs) um but uh yeah so so yeah this all kind of comes together to where you have like these fields that are generally not growing the same thing at the same time if you know what you're doing so it kind of looks like a patchwork and it'll it'll grow hedges in between them and you have fences and it just looks like. A real settlement, it doesn't look like, you know, just this giant expanse of wheat that you might get in another city builder. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's all just because of the directions the game mechanics push you, push you in, which are the way, you know, real life (laughs) would have pushed people or and did push people. Yeah. And
2: and it's fun. Which is a clutch yeah. thing. It yeah. does all that and is still fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you've also got in terms of shaping your settlement, right? You have the defense concern.
0: Right. Which I thought uh-huh.
1: was really well. You're like, okay, I need to to defend my defend my settlement, but they do a good job of like the raiders that show up to plunder your settlement are not looking to plunder your beans right uh yeah. i mean uh-huh. like i guess they'll do it if if there are no other options right but they're looking for high value low bulk items to pillage and so right they want to hit your storage buildings and yeah, your they houses come,
2: they come looking for like pottery glassware gold
1: yeah Right. And, and i mean like they'll steal your food if that's what they have access to but Of course, your food is being continuously moved into your root cellars and granaries anyway. So they're aiming for those storage buildings too. And so when you start thinking about fortification, it one, it encourages that nucleation. You're like, I want my houses full of people's, you know, home goods, my storage buildings, my market, and the trade building and my town hall within the walls. Those are the things that need to be in the walls. Messy production buildings, fields. Um, pasturage that can be outside that takes up a lot of space and the amount of expensive things sitting in the I don't know potter's shop at any given moment is going to be much lower than the amount of pottery sitting in my storehouse
0: right And, and I found out eventually that because at one point like the first settlement I made that was like a mature settlement where it's like okay I know what I'm doing now I tried to just, like, wall the whole thing in with Palisades, but then the problem you run into, if you, like, wall in all your fields and all your, like, herb-gathering, you know, hovels or whatever, is um, soldiers are really expensive. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it turns out that
2: having people whose whole job is to sit around and do nothing, Um, 90% of the time is uh, expensive.
0: So you, you really do have to, like limit the amount of area you are going to defend during a raid because you can't just afford to have watchtowers all along this, you know, great wall of uh, the Swiss countryside or whatever. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it
2: really encourages you to to work with the terrain you're given on the maps, mm-hmm. right? there are like big I,
1: height bonuses.
2: Yeah, there's huge yeah. bonuses to being higher than the enemy, but there's also just general layout bonuses were so the the successful um settlement i had was one that was stuck between three large lakes right there was two big lakes mm, on one yeah. side and a small pond on the other and i had a bit of a a bit of a chunk in the middle so i had three actual entrances to my town that i had to defend at any given time uh and the amount of effort that then had to go into defending was so much lower because your your raiders that come never they're not interested in a the siege they're much more they're raiders they're here to come and take things right, right? They, they're not interested in coming here and dying trying to conquer you they're just here to take your stuff and then leave
1: yeah my yeah. current my current settlement is because i'm on the that that uh, alpine map um you know i picked a low hill um and sort of the wall runs around the base of the hill and then the towers are just up the side of the hill, so I get the height bonuses all the way around, and then all of the houses are sort of scattered up and down, so it's sort of i have like eteros as the um <laughs> nice you know, yeah. which it's it's not an accident that like I've essentially built a Gallic hill fort um right it's an oppidum. i've built an oppidum. like yeah yeah, that absolutely. was a, that, there was a reason that was why they built settlements like that why, It's
2: really why is different. it on I that love. hill yeah, because it's the only hill around that's why it's on that hill. <laughs>
0: i love this game i really do um i've seen yeah. some
2: really cool screenshots as well of people who were playing on sort of alpine maps where they've found a a very large relatively flat hill and they've built 90 percent of their settlement up there and they've they've put out all the sort of stinky things outside of town somewhere
0: yep that's uh, I like exactly that what I- yeah if you want to if you want to rob the the tannery that's you know
2: have a have fun
0: i won't yeah i won't tell you what hap. what goes on in a medieval tannery but you can look it up if you want if you'd uh, like there's to a reason, there's a reason there's a reason it gives you like a minus 10 bonus for anything remote yeah. Oh goodness yeah no they um, did
2: a
1: they did a pretty good job yeah. of of which buildings are people not going to want to live next to um yeah the, i think you could probably i don't think anybody would actually complain about a smokehouse inside the city limit no before, like the tannery it smells like
0: barbecue yeah yeah,
1: but like yeah tannery the charcoaler
0: Oof. yeah uh, charcoal burners the
2: there's... soap the soap maker i really love that the soap maker gives a massive penalty uh-huh. because rendering oh, yeah. fat does in fact smell oh, very God bad
0: i loved uh the the uh the warhammer fantasy rpg the first campaign i ever played of that was the charcoal burner because <laughs> The logic in in the second edition Warhammer fantasy is that these are some of the most badass people in the world. Because if you're a charcoal burner and you have to live off in the woods, like there's beast men and like all kinds yeah. of trolls like, and
2: goblins. Yeah, one of the so best, like, uh one of the best yeah. speaking of Warhammer Fantasy and something that's also in this <laughs> game, um, the rat catcher is a major factor. Yeah. You have to build rat catchers and yep. set them yep. to guard your granaries and stuff. All
0: of your granaries will be gone and everybody will have the bubonic plague. They unfortunately,
2: unlike in Warhammer Fantasy, do not come with a small but vicious dog.
0: Yeah. No. No, yet. Not, not yet, anyway. Yeah. Not yet. Um,
1: oh, can I just uh, completely yeah. miscellaneous, but I want to throw this in? Shout out to their choice of generic town names, which shift between either like really pleasant sounding like Avalon, and then you'll hit random, and the next one is like Tomb Swamp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're <they're> just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe that's maybe that's just propaganda to keep the bandits away. (laughs) No, we we don't have any nice stuff. It's just a it's a swamp and uh, you're going to end up in a tomb. Um, Also, (laughs) that cemeteries is another thing. Another like, yeah, you have to have enough cemetery space or else dead bodies will start spreading whatever they died of.
2: And Uh, there's a a healthy (laughs) array of diseases in this. Yeah, no kidding. There is dysentery, there is cholera. Uh, yeah. there is like frostbite from not having good winter yeah. clothing i love if that people the... don't
0: have shoes they'll get worms yeah um... people who work in heavy <laughs>
2: industries have a fairly high rate of of severe injuries like they can get a broken bone yep. like it, mm-hmm. people working in mines and things actually have a relatively higher turnover than agricultural jobs because they get these bad injuries which can get infected and they can die if anything think, uh... that's it's perhaps yeah. too easy to not die when badly injured in this game. Yeah. It,
1: it, no, that's <laughs> yeah. true. The healer's hut is more effective than it should be. The uh, The turnover I had in my settlement, for whatever reason, my random gen map had like um, had no deer anywhere near me. And before you get cattle, I mean, you really do need a supply of animal products for hides and things. So I ended up setting up and having to basically farm the wolf's den across the way. <laughs>
0: and i could never
1: i couldn't clear it because it was my only supply of hides and tallow uh I think when
0: it, i'm thinking about the uh the 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 ecology map with the apex predators at the top and something doesn't add up there no but... it's
1: not i'm like what do these wolves eat
2: other, yeah. other smaller wolves
1: <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just wolves all the way down yeah. but um but that was a man that was a yeah. high risk occupation um i had I had to put two two hunting huts um, facing it, facing this area so that they at least kind of worked as a team and weren't dying all the time. But
2: um, I am extremely guilty of doing something similar, where I, I put the walls of my town quite close to a wolf den and put like a, a guard watchtower, and so the wolves would wander into range of a. The- the Bowman in the tower who would shoot them and then a guy would run out from yeah. the, the village and just like hack the corpse apart and run away and then eventually oh, nice. another wolf would wander into range.
0: <laughs> well, and I I've actually used boar like boar for that too, which like yeah, there's boars in the game already. Yeah. Why can't we just build a fence around them and start throwing them scraps and then Wild boars are eggs. assholes.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm curious before we wrap up like Brett, is there anything you see that is like this is really not historical or is this is something that they should think about more um, in terms of these mechanics? So I
1: think, so one, I suppose that we have to note, I think we've kind of sort of danced around this a little bit that like every city builder ever, we're kind of indulging in the myth of greenfield settlement here. Uh, greenfield settlement isn't really a thing. Uh, people live everywhere. Uh, at an early point like you're never going to get out there and like we're farmers moving out into a place no one lives somebody it lives happened. there and you violently
2: dispossessed them i love to say it happened the one time in all of history which was when <laughs> the norse found iceland and there was no one there and that was it that's the one time <laughs> and it was iceland kids like it wasn't awesome
1: <laughs> yeah no, it was yeah but um you know i i think I have some questions with the the way that they frame what is essentially the, the tech tree. Um, the sort of the ordering is a little bit weird. It's weird how late beer is. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I think that they've made a deliberate choice, which I actually think is an interesting and probably a good choice. That they often give you one part of the processing chain before they give you the others. So you're buying intermediate goods. So you can mine iron ore and you can get a blacksmith long before you can smelt iron ore. Um right. which checks out to me. Um the smelting building is, I think, labeled a bloomery. I'd have to go check, but if so, that would be right. Um, you would be blooming iron, not smelting it. You're not going to get the heats to to smelt um iron. Um so you know that that checks out uh the other thing that's a little weird is that you have a dedicated building for charcoaling, which is not how charcoaling works. Uh, you know, Generally speaking, you're, 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 the way you actually do charcoaling is you have your forest, you send the guys in the forest, they cut down a bunch of trees, they chop up the trees, and then they will create the charcoaling pit on site, um, and then ignite that, and then some poor bastard has to just sit there and watch it for about 18 hours. While it burns down, carefully managing the oxygen intake to get the charcoal produced, which is why charcoalers have this weird liminal role in society because they have to actually live next to their charcoal piles for weeks at a time. So this is it's moved to a centralized building, and you can see why, right? Because all of their work jobs have to have an associated building. So I get I get why uh, they've done that, um, but that, you know that makes sense. Uh, I, I think overall, though, I like the structure of the tech tree. It forces you to import things before developing your industry's whole, which makes a lot of sense for a village evolving into a town. Your your village might have a blacksmith, but it isn't going to have an iron mining industry. Uh, and right. so so it makes sense to sort of delay the bloomery. And you know, if you want a blacksmith banging out some basic tools, you can have that but you're going to need to purchase the iron from from the traders. And there are several points where uh, if you want to start with cows or with any kind of heavy machinery, um, you have to buy that initially. You can eventually produce your own, but there is going to need to be a root purchase, which, again, makes a lot of sense for the way a settlement like this would develop.
2: Yeah, I love how you have to buy in heavy iron parts to construct a windmill long yeah. before you can actually produce something like that locally. I mean, very long before.
0: Did um, Did either of you ever crack sustainable forestry? Because I just felt, and no, maybe this it, is it's, just accurate, I just was having to clear cut everything, even when I got up to like 200 population.
2: It's very, just, it's very much not uh, too much a part of the game yet. You, there's yeah. not a strong way to make it happen manually you have to uh or automatically functionally you have to do it sort of by hand for a long time. Um yeah
1: you have to be moving it's not
2: ideal. The the developers have acknowledged that and they're oh, like yeah. we're we're figuring out a way to make forestry interesting.
1: To be fair, I mean sustainable forestry wasn't necessarily the biggest of things in the Middle Ages. Um, I think the one thing you probably should be able to do is
2: Pollarding, um, right. pollarding coppicing that yeah. uh, would be really nice uh, as something that you can have foresters do.
1: Yeah, and I mean essentially that would presumably obviate the need for your wood splitter uh because you would be right you're growing the trees so that they generate nice perfect fire perfectly knife. sized, yeah. Um so maybe that's something that they could have the um I mean they already have the arborists building. So you they could do, easily yeah. just add you could easily just add a coppiced tree to the list of things that they could do, and sort of make that an alternate generation system for firewood, at least, so that you're not sort of clear cutting. But of course, I mean, there's a there's a reason that you know Europe is is not crisscrossed by massive forests. Uh, I think I was actually looking at the the statistics uh, the other day that by the year one thousand, the percentage of land tree covered in england was 15 percent, and by 1700 that was 4 um, percent. yeah keeping I, in I, mind I... that like in 1000 bc uh it was 100 uh like just about all of england is should naturally be forest cover so oh, wow. all of that got cut down yeah sort of the denuding of 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 england which you know is by nature right about how much it rains it gets enough water
2: yeah i know and there's well, certainly uh, a lot of historical moments like that there are multiple kings right that passed laws saying like if you remove a field you must replant x amount of it in trees right if, yeah. if you're cut down forestry and you know if, if you don't do that you're in trouble well and as i
0: as i recall like a
2: big reason like
0: like um especially with denmark like the the Jutland peninsula stayed part of the Danish crown and didn't like become part of the Holy Roman Empire or something a long time ago was because the forests between them were too thick and also with Skana becoming more associated with Denmark than with Sweden is because there was just like. Freaking like dark fantasy werewolf forest (laughs) between (laughs) Stockholm and that southern part of the peninsula that like you really couldn't cross that easily
1: yeah true old growth Um, forest is wild if you've never if you've never been in it (laughs) um old growth forest is 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 something else um of course i mean the other big impact there of of deforestation right is english deforestation is one of the root causes of the industrial revolution um that they cut down all of the trees you still need you still need heat sources for the winter and this is what leads, beginning in the, in the 1600s, to the increasing exploitation of coal as a, as a heating source. And then you quickly exhaust surface coal deposits, and so you begin digging down, and that means you need to pump out your mines. And so suddenly you're looking for a way to pump water that runs on the one resource you have a lot of, which is coal. And the solution was the Newcomen steam engine. So,
0: Ta-da! Yeah. so there we go we, we just need to extend the tech tree a little bit further and all of my deforestation needs will be solved and it well, won't cause any any worse problems down the line either right right uh, it
1: definitely <laughs> won't cook the planet um uh, no i mean
0: the thing is you can actually
1: phase out at least you can phase out wood for charcoaling if you have mineral coal available and that's not quite right you can't Actually, in with medieval technology, you're not going to want to use mineral coal for a lot of the things you're using charcoal for in this game.
0: Yeah. Because it's going to have... You take it home and throw it in the stove. I mean,
1: the they weird
2: thing is that... don't have iron stoves yet, really, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the other problem you're going to run into is that your your, your mineral coal generally is going to have a lot of impurities. If you try and smith with it or smelt with it, you're going to ruin your iron um sulfur is the big culprit here if there's any sulfur content at all you're going to just wreck your metal um so you need you need some way to to purify it whereas if you're using it as a household heating element like who cares what's in it i mean you're gonna breathe it in but whatever you're gonna die of plague in five years anyway
0: (laughs) yeah we all
2: it's
0: a good way to look at it um so uh john would you recommend farthest frontier
2: i would i would for a lot of little reasons i think uh, it's a promising game as it stands especially as an early access release we don't always review early access releases on this show for this reason unless we a lot of us play them and like them for what they are at that moment uh, I often say it's you know it's not done yet it still needs some time in the oven on these games and this one I, I played the preview build which has since been updated several times with good material uh, and liked it enough that I played a lot of it And kept playing it into and through release of the game uh even when i had other work i should have been doing which is (laughs) life but so i i'm quite pleased with with farthest frontier as a whole totally recommend it it's the kind of game that cares about stuff like if you deforest your village too hard it will decrease water retention in the soil and therefore you will run out of water to drink i'm excited for the game to do more stuff like mess with uh water management and things like wells versus uh getting fresh water directly from sources i I think that's a very exciting future for this and i love the way it it blends in uh a combat element a, a village defense thing that's not too onerous on the player and can be turned off if that's something you really despise but doesn't it feels like a natural outgrowth of the rest of the game yeah what about you brett
1: yeah, I think I think this is a this is a pretty strong early access game. I mean, I've got so I didn't get to play a preview build. So, since it since it launched from early access, I've got 20 hours in. Um, I yeah, this is this is really solid. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, there's some things that they're going to need to work on as an early access title, but yeah, I think this is I think this is a pretty good recommend, you know, and it's uh like it's not absurdly priced either for what you're getting. So,
0: Yeah, I definitely would recommend it as well. I think um, it's it's probably the first city builder of this type. Maybe the first historical city builder even that that I think has grabbed me like this. Um, You know, I I would almost it almost feels unfair to like directly compare it to something like the Anno games. But like I would I would hold those up as like this is very video gamey, whereas Farthest Frontier, Well, it does make some concessions to toward being playable. Like so much of it is grounded in historical realities. And I just keep coming back to the fact that like if I play it the way that it wants me to play it, I end up with towns that just like look so authentic and that uh, that's kind of my big takeaway from it. Um, And yeah, I'm definitely excited. If this is early access, I'm excited to see where they go from here with more, you know, animal agriculture like we discussed and and you know even maybe if if i could build up to like a big medieval trading town where i have to start even worrying about uh you know uh like public sanitation even more than what's already there uh it could be really interesting and um maybe even some some like domestic uh troubles which isn't really a thing yet Uh, you kind of just everybody pays their taxes and it's fine um we're all in this together uh that could be something that could be interesting if 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 uh you know get getting the golds to pay your taxes to the lord ends up becoming something that upsets people i could see that being an interesting sort of progression of this system as well um but yeah i think that's going to wrap up our discussion on farthest frontier um, pretty strong recommendation, I think, from all of us that have played it. Um, three moves ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can check us out there and uh join the discussion on the forums at idlethumbs.net.net3ma. We are also at 3ma on Twitter, and as always, the show is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon, where you can get access to uh bonus pods. I know Rob and Troy are doing um a movie pod on d-day movies this month which i'm really looking forward to uh to uh hearing that when i edit it um shows produced by me i usually forget to say that because it feels weirdly self-aggrandizing i guess in a way um and yet (laughs) and yet uh john did you have anything to plug this week
2: do i have anything to plug Actually, you know, yeah. I, I sort of do that. I have a big list of upcoming strategy role playing games just released and upcoming on on PC Gamer called something like, holy heck, that's a lot of SR SRPGs or something. to that effect. <laughs> nice um, where we just sort of realized that there's a lot. And without even trying, I found 16 or 17 games coming out in the next year or already out recently.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot. It really is uh brett did you have anything to plug well uh, people can find my
1: uh sort of public writings at a collection of unmitigated pedantry uh acoup.blog and of course i'm on twitter um at brett Devereaux.
0: and uh you're you're doing a talk at pdxcon next month if i remember correctly i
1: am uh, so that's going to be are you, exciting are,
0: are you allowed to say what it's about or is it like a secret at this point
1: um well i haven't written it yet so you know what it's about may may change i mean don't don't tell the uh don't tell the nice fellows in sweden but
0: okay uh we won't they yeah they 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 won't listen to this right um something something games in history something cool um yeah well that's uh yeah so that's gonna do it for this week uh thank you to you both for your time
2: and uh or uh, for John and for Brett, this is Lynn saying good night.